Now, I have a thought, a message, something that's inside of me today, and this is probably a a life message for me more than anything, but I want to share this with you today, and I simply want to call it Dream Your Dream. Dream Your Dream, because I believe every single person in this room and every person that's watching this service online, there's a dream that God has placed you here up on this earth to fulfill. There's a reason why you exist. There's an assignment for you to fulfill. There's something that God has for you to do. It's not for anybody else, it's for you. Now, it may be in partnership with somebody else, but God has a unique and intentional purpose for every single person in this room. Some people may have felt like, my season has passed, my time has passed. Maybe some have felt like, I haven't reached my season yet. Or maybe you felt like, You knew what your purpose was at one time, but that's kind of past, and now you're just kind of in no man's land, just not really sure exactly what the next step is. Maybe you're in a transition, Brandon. Not really sure exactly what the next step is. We know there's a next step, without a doubt. Every single one of us are here for a reason. The fact that we still have breath in our lungs is proof that God still has a plan for every one of our lives. I'm confident that when your time is done, when your assignment is complete, God brings you back home to him. Until then, there's something still that he has for you to accomplish here upon this earth. I want to read several passages of scripture to kind of lay this foundation. So follow along with me, either in your Bibles or on your phone or on the screen or on the Freedom Church app. But Psalms 138, verse number eight says, the Lord will fulfill. Everybody say, will fulfill. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon the work of your hands. The message version says it like this. Finish what you started in me, God. Your love is eternal. Don't quit on me now. Anybody ever felt like that? God, don't quit on me now. (laughs) If I ever needed you, now is the time. And I believe this. I believe God won't quit on us, but he's counting on us to not quit on him. It's going to take both of us working together. God won't quit on you, so he's expecting you to not quit on him. Romans 8, 28 says, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. God has a purpose and a plan that he wants to work for our good if we will just stay in faith with him, stay in step with him. Philippians 1, 6 and 7 says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So if he began a good work in you, he will complete it. How many can say with confidence, I believe God has started something. Yeah, he started something. Maybe you haven't seen the completion yet. Well, if he started it, he will complete it. And you've just got to hang on. What what is our job? Our job is in 2 Timothy 4, 7. I fought the good fight. I finished the raid. I've kept the faith. You got to keep the faith. Keep the faith. Keep the faith. Look at somebody say, keep the faith. Keep the faith. If you will keep the faith, then God can finish what he started in you and he will work all things together for good. He will fulfill his purpose. He will not abandon the works of his hand. He's not going to quit on you. Now, I believe that there are some people, as I said, that maybe you're at this season of life, at this phase in life where you feel like you've finished the race already. You've finished the course. You've finished your purpose. And now you're just, you know, you've raised your kids and Now it's just time to coast a little bit. Maybe things didn't turn out quite the way you wanted to in the last assignment. 
and you're wondering, I don't know what's next. Maybe I've disqualified myself. Maybe you made some decisions, made some mistakes. You feel like you're disqualified or there've been too many roadblocks, too many barriers. See, I, I believe that God has sent me here today just to try to encourage you to dream your dream, to dream again to not give up on the dream. Because if God says, I'll finish what I started and he started it in you, then he wants to complete it. We just, every now and then, we need somebody to just breathe a little bit of oxygen on the little ember that may be in your belly. Maybe it's not a fire yet. Maybe there's no fire in your belly, but if we can just stir it up a little bit, we can fan the flame. We can, uh, we can blow on that little flame. Maybe it'll turn into a fire in your belly and you can finish what God has started. See, sometimes we let people talk us out of our dreams and talk us out of our goals. And we just quit. What, what if these people would have quit? What if Elvis Presley would have quit after he got kicked out of the church choir? We would have never known what a jailhouse rock was. No. What if Dr. Seuss would have quit after like 28 publishers turned him down, but the 29th published his book and sold like 6 million copies. Michael Jordan, what if he'd have quit after his coach told him he was no good? Or Colonel Sanders was rejected like a thousand and nine times before somebody took a chance on his finger-licking good recipe. Uh, Fred Astaire, MGM Studios, said he can't dance, uh, he's slightly bald, can act a little. What did they know? Obviously, they didn't know. Vince Lombardi, whom the Super Bowl trophy is named after, was told that he had minimal knowledge of the game and lacked motivation. Are you kidding me? Don't you just hate experts who really aren't all that good at what they proclaim to be an expert in? Yeah, yeah. Or Beethoven and Thomas Edison, they were said they weren't smart enough. They were too stupid to learn. Uh, Walt Disney was fired uh, by a newspaper for not having enough ideas. Uh, Ray Kroc was like 52 years old when he started McDonald's. All of these people had setbacks and had people that didn't believe in them. And you have the same type of negative voices in your own life. You can choose to reject those voices and keep pursuing your dream, or you can give up on the dream. I think it's better to keep on dreaming. Dream your dream. In fact, Langston Hughes said this, hold fast to dreams. For if dreams die, life is a broken winged bird that cannot fly. You got to keep on dreaming your dream. Walter Bowie said the mightiest works have been accomplished by men who kept their ability to dream great dreams. I know sometimes it's frustrating. I know sometimes you want to quit. I know sometimes you want to give up, but I'm here to tell you, dream your dream. John Maxwell said daring dreams can be great things. Daring dreams have changed the world. Galileo had daring dreams to see the planets and develop the first telescope. Lindbergh had a daring dream to fly solo across the Atlantic Ocean. Henry Ford had a daring dream. John F. Kennedy had a daring dream. Martin Luther King Jr. had a daring dream. Dreams can change the world. Do you think you could change the world? You know how it starts? One person at a time. One person at a time. Don't get overwhelmed with thinking, I can't change the world. I can't change my own home. Start with one person at a time. In fact, people who achieve great dreams have five things in common. People who achieve great, great dreams, number one, they don't quit. And there are some people that are on the verge of quitting or you have already thrown in the towel. You said, it's not worth it. I can't do it. I'm not, I'm not trying one more time. I'm telling you, get back up just one more time. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. If you walked in here ready to quit on God, I'm telling you, don't quit. If you walked in here ready to quit on your family, I'm telling you, don't quit. 
If you're here ready to quit on ministry, don't quit. If you're here ready to quit on a friend, don't quit. If you walked in here today, if you are listening to this today and you are at the point of wanting to quit and throw in the towel, this message is for you. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Get back up just one more time. In fact, people who achieve great dreams, they realize that setbacks are only temporary, not permanent. Oftentimes we start writing things in stone because setbacks happen. Setbacks are going to happen. Challenges are going to come. There will be hard times in this life. That's not the reason to quit because they're only temporary. That just means you got to figure out another way of getting it done. So if you've got your mind made up, you're not going to quit and you realize these setbacks are temporary, then just hang on a little bit longer because you know that it's going to take some time. It's going to take a little bit of time. Some people get way too impatient with their dreams. We get way too impatient with things working out. We want it to work out quick. We want it to work out now. We want everything immediately. But people who achieve great dreams know that it takes time. Slow down. This is going to be a marathon, not the sermon, the whole thought I'm talking about here. Okay. Number four, they're willing to try new things. People who achieve great dreams are willing to try new things. Some of you have been beating your head against the wall and nothing's been working. Why not try something new? Well, this is the only way I know. Why not try something new? If it doesn't work, you can go back to your way of doing things. (laughs) The one that hasn't been working. Try something new. People who achieve great dreams, they don't stay in the same rut. If it's not working, they'll call an audible. They'll try something new. And then last, they always get back up. You're going to get knocked down in life. You're going to get knocked down in business. You're going to get knocked down if you talk back to your wife. You're going to get knocked down. Get back up just one more time. (laughs) Then you get knocked down. I want to take you to a few people in the Bible that show us what it looks like to have a dream, but then also face some difficult circumstances, face some bad choices, have some things that happen to them that are not their fault. Some of them, some of it is their fault, but they face some hurdles. They face some challenges, but yet they got back up just one more time. Then they got knocked down. And because of that, God fulfilled his dream in their life. Let's start where our Our faith begins all the way back to father Abraham. Let's go back to Abraham. Abraham is the guy that God comes to and says, Hey, I want to create a nation, a people that my favor is going to rest upon. And I want you to be the father. So I want you to go to this land and begin. And from you are going to come descendants that will be my people. So Abraham's name literally means father of many nations. So his God given dream was to be the father of a nation the father of the people, the Jewish people, which Christianity comes from. So this was his God-given dream to be the father of many nations. But you know, things didn't work out exactly perfectly according to plan. Abraham was not a perfect person. There were a couple of times when you read through his life that he actually lied about who his wife was. Let her become part of another man's harem. Pretty sure that wouldn't fly in most of our homes. Said, this is my sister, just to keep from being killed. 
So this is an imperfect man. How in the world could God fulfill a dream through an imperfect man? Because God uses imperfect people. Because there's no such thing as a perfect person. And if you're thinking you've been disqualified because you've done some imperfect things, well, join the crowd. You've just joined the human race. God uses imperfect people. Now, that's not to excuse sin, and that's not to mean that we should not pursue being better. We should at all costs, but you're not a perfect human being. Even, even Abraham, as, as he got this word from God that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a son to you and Sarah, do you remember their first response was laughter? They laughed because they thought this is crazy. There's no way. I'm a hundred years old. My wife's 90 years old. You're going to, we laughed. That's why they named their son laughter, Isaac, because they laughed at the fact that God would be so audacious to say, you're going to be the father of many nations. I'm going to send it through your, uh, your lineage. Well, that was just a joke to them. Well, things didn't happen quite as quick as they wanted. So you remember what Abraham and Sarah did? They decided they got to help God out and create their own little plan to help God's plan. God doesn't need any help. He's got this figured out. If we'll just stay the course and do what God tells us to do, everything's going to be all right. But they thought we got to hurry this along. So we'll do our plan. So Abraham, why don't you, why don't you, uh, conceive a child through my servant? And they bore a son. His name's Ishmael. Well, that has caused problems even until today because God doesn't need help with our plan. So here's an imperfect man making imperfect choices, but yet God still chose to work a dream through Abraham. God has put something inside of you and maybe you made some wrong choices. Maybe you missed the mark just a little bit. I'm telling you, get back up just one more time than you bid not knock down. God wants to fulfill his dream through your life. You just got to trust him. How about Moses? Moses' names mean drawn out of the water because he was pulled up out of the water, snatched out of the water. God gave him a dream to be a deliverer, to deliver people, the people of Israel, out of bondage in Egypt. And we know what happened with Moses. Moses ends up at 40 years of age. The first 40 years of his life, he's raised in Pharaoh's home as an Egyptian, as a son of Pharaoh. And then, and then at 40 years of age, he sees an Egyptian soldier beating and mistreating an Israelite slave. And it infuriates him. Why? Because his heart is for the Israelite people to deliver them. It's put inside of him. This passion was inside of him, but he ended up not being able to control that. And he murdered, killed the Egyptian soldier, hit his body. It was discovered. And he ends up running and hiding for the next 40 years. He's hiding out, just trying to stay alive tending sheep on the backside of the desert. When at 80 years of age, God comes to him through the burning bush and said, Moses, I've got a job for you. I want you to go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. I've called you to be a deliverer. What are you doing out here? And Moses responds and you know, he goes to Pharaoh and it wasn't easy. It wasn't perfect, but he led the people out. He delivered them out of bondage in Egypt because that's the plan that God had for him. And it was worked through an imperfect person. How about David? David's name means favorite or beloved. He wanted a place of worship. He wanted to build a temple. His God-given dream was to build this temple. We know he was a warrior. He was also a worshiper. 
but he wanted to build a place. Well, David made some mistakes. David committed adultery with Bathsheba and then committed murder to cover that up. The prophet Nathan comes to him, calls him out on it. He repents. But David and Bathsheba ended up having another son by the name of Solomon, who Solomon ended up building this temple. So through the family of David, this dream is fulfilled. Even though David made some horrible mistakes, and I'm telling you, you're not going to live perfect lives. You're not going to do, make every decision right. You're not going to make every call. Every investment's not going to be just right. Every relationship isn't going to work out perfectly. But through all of that, if you will continue to stay in faith with Christ, he will work his dream in your life. He will fulfill his dream, his purpose for your life, and he will finish what he started in you. Satan is working to try to keep you from fulfilling your dream or even dreaming your dream. He doesn't want your dream to be fulfilled. He's fighting against it. And that's why there is so much attack and distraction and so many problems and difficulties that we deal with. But God wants to fulfill that dream in your life and he's not going to give up on you. How about Jonah? We could probably all relate to Jonah a little bit. His name means dove. His God-given dream was to be a messenger to Nineveh. It's like a dove was a messenger to Noah on the ark. Here, Jonah is a messenger to Nineveh. But you remember the story. Jonah despised the people of Nineveh so much, he did not want to go and preach the gospel. So what did he do? He decided to run away from God. Anybody ever run away before? First time I tried to run away, I told my dad I was running away. He said, I'll help you pack your bags, son. I thought, well, that didn't go quite the way I wanted it. Next time I ran away, I decided I wasn't going to tell anybody just in case I'd changed my mind. And sure enough, about dinner time, I changed my mind, came back home. Nobody ever knew that didn't work out. So I decided runaway is not for me. Here's Jonah. He decides to run away. So instead of going to Nineveh and preach the gospel, he ends up getting on a ship sailing the opposite direction. God sends the storm. The guys on the boat cast lots to find out who is responsible for this storm. The lots fall on Jonah and uh, Jonah finally admits, oh yeah, yeah, guys, I'm sorry. It's me. God wants me to go to Nineveh and preach the gospel, but I really don't want to do that. So uh, instead of repenting, how about y'all just throw me overboard and help me commit suicide? How about that? That's, that's a lot of hate. I mean, that's a lot of rebellion. Even at that point, he's willing to die instead of go preach to Nineveh. So they throw him overboard. Okay, sure. You want to die? Okay, here you go. But God sends the well to swallow up Jonah. Even the well couldn't stand Jonah. I mean, he made him sick to his stomach. That's what racism and bigotry will do to you. You know, make everybody around you sick. And, uh, oh, Okay. We could go there for a while, but he ends up spitting up Jonah on the shores of Nineveh. He preaches the gospel. What happens? Revival breaks out in Nineveh. Why? Because God will fulfill his purpose. God will finish what he started. Even when you get rebellious and you make some stupid decisions, we all have done that at times, trying to run from God, not wanting to do what he calls us to do. But God has a plan and a purpose for our lives. And if we will just stay in faith with him and come back to him, even when we've made some wrong decisions, God will say, I got you. I got you. I will not give up on you. Well, how about one more? And if the musicians will come back, one more. how about Peter? Here's Peter. His name means rock. His God-given dream was to be the rock upon which Jesus would build his church. Now understand, these were dreams that God, this was purpose that God put into Peter. Peter didn't see that in the beginning. 
Peter didn't look like the person that a church should be built on. Peter was hot-headed. Peter was temperamental. I mean, he denied faith in Christ. He, he uh, had a temper he couldn't control, pull his sword out and cut the ear off of the guy in the Garden of Gethsemane, even after Jesus told him not to. He just wasn't the type of person that you would really want to build a church on. Yet he came to this point where he had a life-changing experience and he gets the revelation of who Jesus is when Jesus asked him, who do men say that I am? Who do you say that I am? You're the Christ, the son of the living God. When he got it, when he understood who Jesus was, the Christ, the son of the living God, he said, I can build a church on that. And upon this revelation that's in you, Peter, I'll build my church. Yeah, he was a reed beforehand. The word Simon, Peter, Simon means reed, just blows anyway, but he became a rock that God could build a church upon. And Peter goes out on the day of Pentecost after this empowerment of the Holy Spirit in that upper room experience that is recorded in Acts chapter two, Peter goes out and preaches the gospel and 3,000 people get saved. Now, the most amazing thing about that is Peter, who just before was denying Christ, who was hardly one who could be trusted with the gospel, who was hardly one that would be considered a foundation for this church to be built upon, now comes out on the day of Pentecost and preaches with so much conviction and so much passion that without even giving an altar call, without calling people to accept Christ, you know what happened? People started saying, what, what do we got to do to be saved? I want what you've got. I want what you're talking about. And I'm going to tell you this. The way we change a world is for every one of us to realize that the God-given purpose for whatever God has called you to do first and foremost, is for us to live our lives in such a way that people look at us and say, I want what you've got. I want what you have. Now, it doesn't always have to be, I see you up there preaching and I want that. No, no, no. It could be the fact that you stayed calm in the midst of a storm. It could be that you've got peace, even though everything else is falling apart. It could be because you've got faith that can withstand the attack of the enemy, faith to move mountains. It may be because you have love and you love somebody that doesn't really want your love, but you love them anyway. Maybe you've got patience and you're able to deal with some people at work that just aren't really nice and kind, but people see patience in you and people see kindness in you and people see goodness in you and people see love and see mercy in you. And they come to you and they say, I want what you've got. That's what God wants to do through all of our lives. When we live our lives in such a way that people are drawn to the Jesus that's inside of us and the fruits of the spirit that are inside of us. Are you living your life in a way that causes people to say, I want what you got. I have what he's having. That's God's purpose for our life. Whether it's worked out in a high rise building in downtown Dallas or on an oil field in West Texas, or whether it's online through some e-commerce, God wants you to be a light that shines so bright that people say, I want what you have. I want that joy and peace that you have. 
Even Jesus himself had a purpose. His name means Yahweh is salvation. His God-given dream was to be the savior of the world. He came to this earth. He was born and lived this life for 30 years before he started his ministry at age 30 and for three years ministered and changed people's lives. But then at 33 years of age, willingly gave himself as the payment for your sins and for mine. Willingly allowed himself to be arrested and to be crucified. But as he hung upon that cross, he said the words, it is finished. What was finished? God's purpose for his life. The purpose of coming to be the payment for your sins and for mine. Because I couldn't pay for my sins. I'm not good enough. You couldn't pay for your sins. You're not good enough. But Jesus is. And because he's good enough, when we put our faith in him, we become good enough. Good enough for God to say, I look beyond your faults and I see who you are in Christ Jesus and you are made righteous because of what Jesus has done in you. Yeah, Jesus hung upon that cross and he finished his purpose. But you know the good news? And the same we should understand with all of us. Just because God finishes one assignment with us doesn't mean that now we are retired. No, now you have a new assignment. Whatever that new assignment is, you got to figure it out. What is it? Because when Jesus finished his assignment, you know what he started? A new assignment. Because the new assignment, he told us, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, well, I'm going to come again and I'll receive you unto myself that where I am there, you can be also. So what's his purpose now? His purpose now is to prepare a place for each and every one of us to come and be with him. He's preparing that place. And when that place is complete, we will hear, we will hear real trumpet sounds. Not like Michaela's trumpet sounds where Trump, uh, Michaela moved down here from New Jersey. And when she heard tornado sirens in Dallas, she thought it was the trumpet and thought the rapture was taking place. It won't be tornado sirens that you hear. When Jesus finishes his purpose, you're going to hear real trumpets. <laughs> you're going to hear the sound of the archangel. We're going to hear the trumpet blast of, of the Lord. We're going to know it's time to spend eternity with him. Yeah, he's fulfilling his purpose. But listen, he still has a purpose for each and every one of us right here and right now. And the only way that you're going to walk in that purpose and find that purpose and see that purpose fulfilled is if you're walking your life today and every day with your hand in the hand of Jesus Christ. You got to be in step with Jesus. You got to be in step with the spirit. You got to be in step with what Jesus wants out of your life. You'll never find his complete and total purpose until you're completely and totally surrendered. Governor Nash was the governor of Ohio many years ago and had a prisoner on death row was facing execution by the electric chair for the murder of his girlfriend. That particular day, Governor Nash stepped out of his office as the governor of Ohio and put his Bible under his arm and walked down in hopes to share Jesus with this prisoner. 
He had the power to set him free. Had the power to stay the execution. When he walked into that jail cell, the prisoner didn't know who he was. Saw the Bible under his arm and thought he was a preacher and began to curse at him and tell him to get out of here and take your God with you. I don't want to hear anything you have to say. When he walked away, the guard looked at this prisoner and said, you fool. You crazy fool. He says, you don't even know who that was, do you? He said, I don't know, some preacher or somebody. He said, that was the governor of the state, the only person with the authority to save your life. And you just sent him away. And a few hours later, that man was executed for the murder of his girlfriend. And he died without the hope of being saved because he had sent his rescuer away. I want to challenge you today all over this room. And if you're watching right now online, do not send your savior away. Do not push him away. He's come to take your hand. And listen, he's not taking your hand to make you live an old, cold and boring and, and, and uh, life with no fun. No, he wants to lead into his divine purpose for your life where you're going to find the greatest fulfillment you could ever have. Life is going to become the greatest adventure ever when you take the hand of Jesus. He only knows what's best for you.